Welcome back gamers. I'm Nick Cartarelli. This is Raised on D&D and we're going to talk to some gamers about playing tabletop role-playing games with their families. Welcome back to Raised on D&D. I'm your host Nick Cartarelli and my next guest is from Riverside, California. You know him best as the creator of Life of the Party, Realities of an RPGer, as well as several monster manuals for Kwood Press. He is currently working on book four of Life of the Party. Please welcome the very talented Travis Hansen. Hi, Travis. Hey, how you doing? Real good. Thanks for being on the show today. Well, thank you for having me. Family loves Life of the Party, participated in every one of the Kickstarters, and they just, they act like, kids act like Christmas when they, when they get a new uh, book in the mail. Um, <laughs> when did you start role playing? When did you start playing Dungeons and Dragons, Travis? I started playing back in 82. I, I came from the Red Book. Um, I learned in, uh, I actually, what's kind of funny, uh, you know, my friends talk about having the, the whole devil worship thing back in the 80s. But on the West Coast, I don't ever remember seeing that. In fact, um, we learned in a church group <laughs> to play. And uh, we didn't have those issues. Now, I know I, I've got friends in the Midwest that, you know, you had to hide for, for that. We had to hide for other reasons. We had to hide because we were geeks. <laughs> it had nothing to do with, with what kind of geek we were. It was just <laughs> just how it was. Um but then we, we moved from D&D. I, I mean, in the 80s, there was a ton of, in, of incredible gaming systems out there mm-hmm. uh, that were, were pretty awesome. A uh, ton of different genres that you could play in. Uh, and we really got, you know, we played a lot of Star Frontiers. Then we had Gamma Worlds, which was fantastic. Um, and I like Gamma Worlds more for the, the mutation aspect of the game. You know, you'd roll this great character, and then you'd have to roll from a a mutations uh, deal to see what happens to you. So you could get totally screwed without even realizing it um, <laughs> before the game started. And then we got hooked on Gangbusters. Oh. And and that is basically, you know, we had Top Secret too, but I didn't get into that as much as Gangbusters. Gangbusters was like Grand Theft Auto set in the 1920s before Grand Theft Auto even showed up on the scene. Yeah. You know, it, 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 and and you played in this Chicago waterfront area, and you could be either the FBI or the gangsters, and it was a percentage-based game, which was kind of most of the the games that we had kind of moved towards, uh, where you just rolled two ten-sided dice. And I loved how quickly you could put a character together. You know, there was no major amount of detail of creating a backstory and everything else you just jumped in as a either a low-level thug or your brand new uh fbi agent now was that because the mortality rate of characters was high you had to be able to make up a new character to get back into it fast no they just wanted you to get into the game oh okay (laughs) so it was just it was just quick and easy uh character creation so you could start playing right away right don't get me wrong. I like D&D, but, um, you know, it takes an hour or so to put a good character together. <laughs> you're like, what's the backstory? What's this? What's that? And when you're teaching an 11-year-old how to do it, it's even longer, and then you're going to teach your friends. So before you can even get into the game, 
you're spending all this time on character prep. Now I like to give me 10 minutes or 15 minutes, roll some stats, create a couple of things and then just dive right in. Just jump into it. And that's great. And, and you could build your um, skill levels, you know, as you moved along, skills would become presented to you during the game. You know, you started off with one or two skills, but you could always grow and earn skills. You know, and as much as I, I got to admit, I mean, that was the game, you know, D&D, you'd play and we'd play at lunch and stuff like that. Gangbusters, we'd get together. You know, this is when you could do this growing up as a kid. So you got to remember, we're 12 and 13 at the time when we were doing this. Uh-huh. And, and we would start playing uh, in the summer. We'd start like on a Wednesday afternoon at my friend's house and we would leave Saturday night yes. to get home. I don't know any parent that will let their kid do that. <laughs> <laughs> no, I loved those summertime marathon uh, gaming sessions where we would stay all weekend and play all night. Um, and it, it's just incredible that, and, and it was wonderful time period that we were able to do those kind of things as, as teenagers and tweens and things like that. Well, and we were also, you know, we lucked out. We were in the best of both worlds because you got to look at it. And in the 80s, we were, we, role playing was, was big for us. And then video games were coming in. So my generation is, it was the perfect maelstrom of, of both video and, and tabletop RPG. Yes. And now, as great as it is, and I'm really glad that there's a, a resurgence to it and kids want to get into it and play, but it's more of a nostalgia feel, too, to a degree. It's like, oh, wow, this is one of those games that's been around forever and everybody plays or I got to get into this. Whereas when we were, it was just fresh and new and, and everything else. And then the more I played, the more I got into, I would rather world build than anything else. When did you introduce your children to tabletop role playing? How old would you say they were when you started with them? Well, because I was doing comics and traveling quite a bit, it was really late. I actually, yeah, I'm a, a bad parent. I, I, <laughs> they were in their late teens when I, I introduced them for the first time. And we did a couple of sessions. But I'm in a position right now where I had to make the decision, do I want to be the guy that plays the game or do I want to be the guy that makes the game? Mm-hmm. And, and, you know... Um, so what I do is they play and I build them content. So I create maps, I create monsters, you know, I, I, I let them, they DM now. How old are your children now? They're in their twenties. Okay. And how many do you have? Five. Wow. Five. Okay. And, uh, and and I've got, uh, two grandkids now. Two grandkids. Congratulations. I think I saw the, uh, I think I saw one of the baby pictures uh, just recently. You're just recently had a grandbaby, right? Right, right. Uh, Not even a week old. Two grandbabies, uh, five children. And how many of those five are still gaming? All of them. All of them? All my kids game. All my kids game. Wow. Well, except the oldest. Except the oldest. I mean, but they play other games too. So, yeah, now, we might not have been RPG. Uh, we would definitely get into some of the other cool tabletops that are out there that would allow. We're very more of a strategic family as well, so there uh-huh. was a lot of risk that was played. Um, you know, so we would play 
we would always play games, but it never really mattered what game it was because we were always out to try something new. That that's um, incredible. So now you're you provide them the content, and they're off gaming um, uh, with their friends um, and mm-hmm. each other and and their families. Right. I know my son got his wife into the game. Uh, my daughter was running a group. My other son, when he's up there, he games with his siblings a little bit. You know, one of the best gaming sessions that I had as an adult adult was my kids when they first got into it. And like I said, it was late uh, in their teenage years. Because um, you can't really force kids into something. You know, it's like, oh, that's dad's deal. Um, <laughs> and and that's tough, especially when they're teens. Um, you know, they asked me one day, they go, hey, can you run us a D&D game? And I said, sure. So I said, here's the deal. You get your friends together and you guys read up on the manuals and, and on how to put a character together. And they said, all right. So they did all that. And then they came over and what it was, was it was nine or 10 kids that had come over these, these wow. um, older and some dressed up. <laughs> and I tell you, uh, you know, when you play with a bunch of drama geeks, um, and it was like herding cats. <laughs> and, but it was one of the, the best adventures I think I've done. You know, we had a lot of fun with it. Um, we, uh, and I owned it. And, I, you know, it's a shame that that group just couldn't sustain itself. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, they're all getting ready to go to college and stuff like that. But, man, it was one of the best evenings I had ever had. You know, five hours of chaos and uh, five or six hours. It was just cool. That is amazing. What do you feel are the lessons that you've taken away from tabletop role-playing in D&D that kind of helped you as an adult? Well, so first of all, um, I look at, you know, the RPG experience is storytelling. Mm-hmm. It's not, you know, you can call it whatever you want, but for me, it's, it's storytelling. You're creating the story as a group. And what that actually did, because when we moved, I lost, you know, I moved from L.A. to Riverside. I lost my entire gaming groups uh, when I was about 15. So finding another group was really, really tough where we moved to because there was just, we were just out in the middle of the sticks. There was really nothing. And I was able to get a couple of friends into it, but it was never kind of the, the great romance that we had had before yeah. of, of yeah. us in the RPG world. The one thing that we would run into that I have found is as I started going, you know, as I got into comics and started getting into storytelling, how much RPG helped me uh, in my career as a storyteller. And, and that was, that's the exciting part is because it would allow me to, to just create. Um, I could go into a story and I could come up with these complex scenarios and I could come up with these complex situations or, or how people dealt with each other. I mean, it's awesome. And then you throw in a couple of years of theater into that. And then it allowed me to really just dig into some good fantasy stories as a creator. And, you know, it wasn't until much later that I got back into my love of the game, almost like four or five years ago, uh, just because I was, I, I do a lot of children's books. I do a lot of regular art. Um, you know, I do a lot of game art for other companies. Uh, several board games 
I, I finished a game called Texas Hold'em with Zombies. I did one called Santa's Bag. Uh, we did one called No Mercy, which is the game of war um, with a twist. And, you know, I did all these other games and I thought, you know, how much did, did role-playing help me? Quite a bit because it showed me a couple of things too in life. It showed me what I liked in games and it showed me what I didn't like in games. You, you said that you came back to gaming about five years ago. What, what was the catalyst for that? just kind of nostalgia I had some good friends that I talked to quite a bit and they were telling me all about you know what was going on and I thought you know what I'd really like to get back into this I have been out of it for a long time and and I was still doing gaming art you know a lot of fantasy art and and I had just um one of my first clients and a lot of it was when I I stopped being an art director for a big firm and went on my own one of my first clients was uh I got back into the um, the fantasy realm. I I did a what was it? Gygax magazine. I was in several of their issues as one of their artists, and then um, I did a, a manual. Uh, I've done a lot of folio manuals, which is a D and D fifth edition uh, extra. Mm-hmm. And then I got contacted by the guys that were doing Earth Dawn, and I started doing Earth Dawn. Uh, they redid their manuals. And and then I realized, oh, it has been so long since I, I got to play like I used to play. And I still don't get to play like I want to play. So I kind of like worked myself back into it. What sparked Life of the Party for you? Life of the Party was frustration. <laughs> <laughs> okay. No, I had a, I had a friend that was doing these, these cutesy little strips that he couldn't sell because he was using properties that he didn't own. And I would get super frustrated with him. You know, it's like he'd get 50,000 hits and likes and people would just like, Ooh, ooh that's so cool. And I'm like, yeah, but you can't even use them. You know, <laughs> and I'm trying to do this fantasy comic that's based off of, you know, an RPG game that we had played years ago uh that i've just converted into my own realm and i'd only and it was a long format comment and i'm only getting 10 likes 15 likes so i'm like this sucks and i was i was really i had just gotten out of a bad contract with a game company that had gone south i was frustrated and and i decided you know what i'm gonna just draw a comic of what i like which i love fantasy not just gaming fantasy i love fantasy in general mm-hmm. so i drew this elf and I drew almost a beholder because you can't draw a pure beholder. Yes. And I drew this, this fighter yelling at each other. And they talked about rolling a one because he hit it, but he rolled a one. Well, one, of my, a- one of my favorite of your strips where the arrow is sticking out of the angry beholder's face. And now that's the very first one. And they're, and they're yelling at each other. He's like, well, I hit it. He's like, you rolled a one hilarious just that so bringing that bringing that uh the dynamic of players yelling at each other at a table into the fantasy realm it was wonderful and so what happened with so i post that not thinking anything of it Mm -hmm. and within four hours it had six thousand shares wow so it just went viral so i thought you know what I'll just throw another one up and just see what happens. <laughs> so I did one the next day. You know, I had to go up the next day 
and same thing. Not as big, but enough to go, okay. And then I did another one. And then I did another one. And all of a sudden, I'm doing it daily. Mm -hmm. And I can't stop. So, <laughs> <laughs> um, now, I want to do more with it. But I, I made some ground rules when I got going. I mean, after about three months. Now, I'm not, I was never looking to publish it. I was never looking to do anything. And then all of a sudden, people were going like, can we have this in a book? Can we have this in a book? Because the internet's great. But no one wants to read the internet. Does that make sense? Right. They want, people still want books. Yes. And the problem yeah. with, I ran into Bean is I had like 750 strips of this long format story that no one wants to read because that's an investment. Life of the party is, a, is a, just a snippet of life mm -hmm. in one scene. It's easier to share and, and, and invite people to be a part of. But at the same time, it, it's, it allowed me to do something else with my humor, with play in other worlds that I normally couldn't have played in. Um, and to play in the RPG world as well. And most people think that, oh, you know, it's D&D &D or it's Pathfinder. Actually, it's a version of about everything. Your, your comic tips its hat to all kinds of fantasy from literature and, to ga and gaming as well. And, and that's important because if you only did a D&D &D comic, you run out of ideas rather quickly. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I, have, I have too many, too many favorites to mention in our podcast, but, um, but like I said, the, whenever we would uh, unbox a, uh, a book from the Kickstarter, um, the kids loved it. And the coloring books, oh, they love the coloring books from the Kickstarters, um, getting to color their own. And, and my boys would even make up their own jokes. And some of their jokes were from our game sessions. Um, and they would put See, that on the comic. That's the best thing is, is I wanted to do it in a way that, um, you know, within the comic, there's a lot of life in there because when you play, when we played at the tabletop, we talk about everything too. Nothing, you know, you, you always talked about everything. And, and the other thing about RPG, and I don't care what anybody says, people let their hair down in an RPG game. Yes. And, and the worst comes out in people and the best <laughs> comes out in people. Definitely. And, and you, and you can't control always, you know, there's a reason why you have chaotic evil and lawful good and it's to create conflict within the game and some people freak out and they're like well we're not going to have any evil characters or anything else well that's all fine and dandy but aren't you going out killing evil characters and you know and if someone wants to play evil let them play evil because it teaches you how to deal with real people in life you can't live in a bubble and if you create your game in a bubble then the game you know it's fun but also you need a little bit of that chaos in there um, but it all depends on who's playing too. You know, you have those that are very serious and then you have those that are not serious that just enjoy the flow of the game, make it fun, make it quick. Um, it, it's escaping, it's, it's pure escapism. And, and, and if you treat it that way, you'll have a really good experience, even though it does get frustrating at times, you know, there's one gag in, in life of the part. Well, there's several gags that are from my own games as growing up as a teen as well is where they're showing the scars and the wounds and the one guy says yeah this is from dragon and this is from a this the other dude's showing his arm and he goes it's a pencil stab from an angry gm <laughs> that's based on a true story 
because we were playing gangbusters and we were it was like 3 30 in the morning and we were on a two maybe three day bender of games so we were tired we're teens a bunch of you know male adolescents so you've got all these you know extra bravado you know that builds up and um and i said something and the next thing i know i had a pencil sticking out of my leg and <laughs> And, and it broke off. So I had the lead in my leg. I had, you know, when I went home, my mom was so mad. And I had to go home and we had to go to the doctor to, to have them pull the lead out. And it turned blue for a while in that area. But yet. Wow. Even, even though I was frustrated at the moment, it was still one of those. I, I laughed because <laughs> that's how I look at life. <laughs> You know, and, and it goes with my philosophy. I can't control the circumstances of my life, but I can control the reaction. And if I look at, you know, like something like, well, how do I make this fun? Or how do I make this laughable? Or how do I make this realistic? And, you know, so I, I decided that as I started to do life of the party, you would never, ever see the player. Mm -hmm. Ever. You only see their avatars. And the other thing that we did was you never see, they're never named. Yes. And I never wanted at first the, the you know, my family was like, Well what what's the fighter's name and, and what's his wife's name and uh you know those kind of things. But but the fact that um that they're not named is is great because it allows people to put themselves it will we'll be sitting around re reading the latest life of the party comic and people will be like oh that's like your ranger or that's like your cleric you know that's something you would do and and so it, it allows people to i think it allows people to uh put themselves their own characters their own game experiences uh into the comic with what you're presenting and i think it's wonderful yeah because people relate to your class more than they relate to your your character mm -hmm. name you know and the minute i name them all of a sudden i've alienated people yeah and that's not what i wanted to do because to me and and i'll be perfectly honest everybody's been a jerk in a game before <laughs> guilty guilty <laughs> you know, and i don't you know and i and uh, the the whole holier than thou attitude that I see in some of the gaming forums bothers me, because it's like, well, wait a second, you're a person, and and if you're getting frustrated over a strip, then obviously it's it's hitting a nerve that you've done. Mm-hmm. Yes. You know, a, a guilty party, and I'm guilty of it. I've been a jerk before, and people have been a jerk to me. Um, and it doesn't always, you know, it never makes it, retaliation never makes it right, but it's just, that's what happens. <laughs> it's just part of the game. And, uh, you know, and we, as we talk about gaming and such, I mean, I remember a risk game. There was a broken treaty in the middle of this risk game, and one individual did not talk to the rest of the family for like three years. Because <laughs> they were just angry. <laughs> Yeah, risk, risk will definitely break uh, break relationships quick. <laughs> I've also noticed that gaming does that. You know, RPGs will do it too if you're not careful. Mm -hmm. But I think that that you know, if you use them, I think they're great, and they're great tools for so for coping with social interaction. Mm -hmm. You know, I love the resurgence. My wife doesn't play oh. at all, um, which is okay. 
I mean, we're busy. She's working on her master's. We've got our bachelor's. We've got five kids. We both have full time. You know, I draw full time. She works full time as a librarian in a high school, even though that she doesn't play. You know, she in her high school has set up in her high school uh, a whole D&D club. Wow. Creates high safe, yeah, she creates a safe spot for these kids in their library to play D&D. Wow. And it's nice that I can give her resources for these kids. Mm-hmm. So they'll get maps occasionally or they'll get things that they, you know, here's some monsters that you can build for your thing or whatever and and such. Um, so she's, you know, just because someone doesn't play doesn't mean they can't help get the game out further or get people involved in it. That's right. Your your children kind of approached you about gaming, you said. They were they were older and they said, hey, will you run this for us? We want to try it. Um, uh-huh. And, but... But there was, well, but there was ground groundwork before that, right? Because you were always a, uh, oh. you were always a fan of fantasy and and things like that. So you know, my world uh, is, is quite unique. You know, drawing comics and conventions and stuff like that. I've involved my family very much in in our business mm-hmm. as an artist. You know, my my one son who's twenty three now, twenty three now, yeah, twenty somewhere in there. He's been doing conventions since he was 14, running them for me. You know, um, all my kids, even my 11-year-old, can help run a show. Um, they under, they, they've been in that environment of gaming. Uh, but they've had the advantage of seeing it from the other side, which is different than the fan that plays. Mm-hmm. Working with the creators of these games or meeting the other artists that draw like, you know, Mark Poole and, and uh, they've met Larry Elmore and, and seen the interaction that I've had with these, these great artists and creators. Uh, Richard Winters is another one who's, you know, he's the lead artist for advanced Dungeons and dragons uh, for wizards. Um, You know, they get to see that it's a business as well. Mm-hmm. That it's enjoyment, but that there's also you can make a living um, doing this. So they've had two different viewpoints of how the creative world works from a fan's point of view and from a creator's point of view and how they can intermingle. Wow. So they've been introduced to fantasy and gaming and all these different walks of life because of the shows because of the conventions i don't think it had anything to do with here because uh, i don't know how many kids you have but having five kids and four of them pretty close together and all in high school and all doing different things uh yeah you know one really pays attention to what dad's doing they just know dad draws (laughs) but the shows allowed them to see what the world was really like in the fantasy and the rpg and the and the comics and everything else i mean it's it's I hate looking at it and dividing, going, mm-hmm. okay, this is the, the game group and the comic group and the science fiction group and the fantasy group and all that. I think it's all one group. Yes. <laughs> it's just yes. one. We all enjoy, we all are passionate. We might, uh, uh, about the whole genre in total, but we also have our little niches that we become passionate about. Like if you noticed, all my elves are four-fingered. 
Well, you can thank Richard and Wendy Penny for that. <laughs> yeah. I I did notice. I did notice that being a big Elf Quest fan myself, that the uh, that the elves were four fingered. I was like, oh, and and that's uh, that was one of those little. I, I felt like it was, um, you know, obviously it was your preference, but I felt like it was another another nod, another hat tip to to that wonderful um, uh, universe of fantasy. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's so much good stuff out there. Why, why sit there and go, this is better than that, when in reality, they all have something to offer. Mm-hmm. You know, even Game of Thrones, I make fun of that. I got a great comic I want to put together. I just don't know how to do it yet because I'll probably... Uh, <laughs> I don't want to say it's a mean blow, but it's a great way to how to finish the story. <laughs> and it deals with George R. Martin and Robert Jordan. So <laughs> I just haven't figured out how to make that comic work. Uh, your kids now grown and um, off at college and um, making families of their own. What, what kind of what, what kind of values and lessons do you think they pulled from those early experiences uh, with the creativity of of gaming with you? Well, so the cons and such, and 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 what lessons did they learn? You know, and you look at it as they come. The, the, at a, when you're at a gaming convention or a comic book convention and you sit behind the table, you will meet people from every walk of life. You'll meet people on the left, on the right, gay, straight, whatever. You meet everybody. Um, and you meet people that disagree with your values or viewpoints or whatever. And you meet people that agree with them. And yet at the same time, as everybody comes to your table, you begin to realize that we're all human. Mm-hmm. And, and there are many times that I have, I've laughed and I've joked and I've cried hearing people's stories and finding a common connection, even though we're on two different sets of the spectrum. And I think it allowed my kids to learn to look at the interior of a person and not the exterior. And I think that's what was one of the great benefits of, of being so intermingled with the industry or, you know, and, and the, the people out there and the fans, you know, and, and, and seeing all these great hearts because deep down, you know, whether you're an atheist or whether you're a monotheist or whatever, we all go back to that one same beginning. So we're all kind of related regardless. Mm-hmm. We're just one big family that just has issues. And I haven't met a family that has never had issues. <laughs> but it's helped my kids, I think, really look at, at going that life's not always black and white, but full of gray. And I think gaming teaches us that too. Mm-hmm. You know, as you play Dungeons and Dragons, and as I play D&D, you know, I like chaotic neutral. That's my favorite character. Uh, I, I used to be just neutral. And then I found myself leaning towards lawful at times, but then I found chaotic neutral to be best because I like a little chaos. But I also learned that how do you interact with people when you're playing games? And if you're playing, if you're a chaotic character and you're playing against a lot or with a lawful character, how do you guys find common ground? Mm-hmm. And you don't always find common ground, and that's okay. Um, but it teaches them how to interact. And I think my kids have learned 
you know, or are learning that you can't just go in and browbeat someone down, but you can go in and go, well, how do I, you know, charisma, how do I work my charisma a little better? How do I, you know, use your intelligence and your wisdom over, over your strength um, and, and such. So I, I definitely see that there has been um, some growth. The, some of the negative things is, 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 and this is just from all the gaming that we've done in certain points is competitiveness. <laughs> I got to win. I got to win. Uh, you know, someone's going to come away crying and it's not like they intentionally do it. I mean, I can remember playing a game of nerds with my mom. It's a card game and, and having her swear. And my mom never swears. And I got her to swear in this game. And, <laughs> but, you know, and that's where I say it, it's just what comes out of you in the middle of a game. You mm-hmm. start to learn more about yourself. Um, and you start to, to have good interaction with people. Uh, and then you also start to realize that maybe it's not always about winning the game. It's about the relationship that you have with those people at the moment. Right now, it's just, you know, Sophie and I are here together and we play Kings of Tokyo, a monster game. And I'll be honest, I can't beat her. <laughs> <laughs> I'm consigned to my fate. <laughs> I know I'm going to lose. But I like playing with her. Um, we just, you know, we, we, Sushi Gogo, I don't know if you've ever played that. That's a fun game as a family. Yeah. But RPGs, I think there's a time and a place. Um, but I think that there's, there's benefits from other types of games too. So not only do I like to create RPG games, I like creating regular games as well. What do you got in the near future? Yeah. I've got to finish a couple of things for this Kickstarter with life of the party. I'm starting to do all the, uh, putting people's characters within my, the, the comic, which I enjoy doing. I like dropping people's characters within the comic. Um, once that's done and the rest, you know, and I'll start original artwork for it. Um, then I'll start looking at running book four for life of the party, which I liked running in January or February, but I'm, I think I'm going to hold this one till March. Okay. and kick that one in March. So Life of the Party 4. Now, I want to do it a little different. I want to do it kind of uh, farsight-ish style. So it's gonna, the book's going to be bigger uh, lengthwise, not width. Okay. So, so we'll have two comics on top of each other so I can get more comics in there. That's my goal. The, the next other project that I want to do a little bit with Life of the Party, uh, and I've been thinking, you know, well, what is the next step for it? Uh, and I, don't get me wrong, I like doing the single panel, but I think there's so much more that you can do with Life of the Party. And, and the cool thing about Life of the Party is the campaigns are always changing. You never know. I mean, you can kill characters all the time. Thank goodness, because you got resurrection spells. They just keep coming back. And oh, some, uh, some of the some of the best strips are when the when the rogue gets caught in the trap or. Uh, when the rogue doesn't disarm the trap and somebody gets caught in the trap. <laughs> when we, when you, flip, you flip that page or you, or you click on that, the latest um, uh, a strip and, and there's the rogue crushed under a boulder or something. And then they're arguing over about taking his stuff or are we going to waste the healing spells, you know, that kind of thing. And you, we, uh-huh. just, we just roar laughing. Um, and uh, and so that and it's great because then the next one he's back. You know, you're not you, you don't. It's not a permanent. Oh no, that we'll never see that guy again. Right. Exactly. And that's what makes it fun. And now I'm just thinking, 
well, can I convert <laughs> Life of the Party into a three or four panel strip? Mm-hmm. And I think I can. I just want to do it in a way. Now, if I do it that way, the strip will change a little bit. It'll become more Bloom County-ish mm-hmm. um, with that RPG flair. Okay. Um, you know, how do we make it different? And 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 that's a hard thing to do. But the nice thing is, is we're seeing more of it. There's a lot more RPG cartoonists coming out of the woodworks, which is great because it's just showing that our fantasy world, our industry is becoming more accepted. I would argue that RPGs are more mainstream now than maybe ever in the past. Oh, easily. And and the other thing is, you know, with I think Life of the Party that I wanted it to be different, a lot of times people make fun of the, that's why I don't like the Big Bang Theory. Mm-hmm. They make fun of the geek. And I struggle with that. Because it's like, wait a second, you don't fully understand. It's like when you watch an episode that has a convention in it, a comic book convention, and you go, that's so wrong. They don't even know what they're talking about. Um <laughs> uh, I mean, there was an episode of Bones where they had an auction that was going for $500,000. And I've probably been to four or 500 conventions in the last 15, 16 years or whatever. And I'm like, wait a second. I've never, ever seen an auction like that or at all. <laughs> at, at, you know, it's just sloppy writing. But, um, but at the same time, when I, when I was working on Life's Party, my goal was, was never to make fun of the player. I never want to make fun of the player. It, it, I will make fun of the character because I think that people don't think sometimes when they do stuff in the game. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much for sharing your stories, uh, especially about gaming with your family, because um, our listeners are are now not only um, parents with young children, like elementary school age children that they're introducing the gaming, but they also have teenagers um, that they're, they're the, the parents, some of them don't even have any experience with RPGs themselves. And because their teens are wanting to get into it, they're learning the game so they can run games for them at home and those kind of things. So, so it, it's the you whole know, spectrum of, of people who are, are now excited about role-playing games and D&D. And, and I will say this, I, you know, my, one of my biggest regrets if I didn't start, you know, we played a lot of games, but I didn't start the RPGs when they were little. But a lot of it was I, I lived in a bubble. I mean, I'm, I, it, it was my own, I created my own walls that I had to break down so that I could do it again. Does that make sense? Yeah. You have these families, and I get it. Parents are busy, and parents have a lot going on. Um, but the, the thing is, is if I could tell something to a parent, you know, with my first four, I worked so much. I missed a lot of them growing up with my 11 year old. I kind of got a second chance and I don't want to waste it. And, and, you know, what better way? I mean, we had so much fun putting her character together the other night and, and she's on pins and needles now when she can play with her sister. So, you know, if I could tell a parent, you know, learn. And if it's not, um, if it's not, it doesn't have to be D&D. There's a lot of RPGs out there that are a little bit more simpler than D&D. Yeah. And now, and now there's lots of, of games that are actually directed towards um, elementary age 
children and things like that that weren't available when we were younger. Right. I can't thank you enough for being on the show today. I really appreciate it. We're so excited to see the next life of the party um, and looking forward to the Kickstarter in the spring. But thank you again. You have a great day. Anytime, my friend. Anytime. Thanks for listening to this month's Raised on D&D, the podcast about family and gaming. Be sure to like our page at www.facebook.com forward slash Raised on D&D podcast, where you can find exclusive content, transcripts of the episode, and links to the resources that we discussed. As always, happy gaming.